This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and wills to do that which you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. At Ascension, we talk a lot about community. It's front and center in our mission statement, a worshiping community, equipping God's people, sharing Christ's healing with a broken world. You can't be at Ascension for more than probably a week without hearing something about our community groups and just how important we believe it is to gather together, even via Zoom if we have to, and ideally in one another's homes and in much smaller settings than on a Sunday morning. Likewise, we talk a lot about the importance of being hospitable as a community. This morning, our scripture readings highlight another aspect of our communal life, namely that of our calling to be a generous community. By and large, and at our best, Ascension is a worshiping community, a hospitable community, and a community that loves to meet together in community groups. I'm delighted to say that we are also, by and large, and at our best, a generous community. I think of all these aspects of community, particularly when taken together, and they are really good, they're really important. And in many ways, these things are countercultural. And by God's grace, combine to make ascension the place and the people we are and whom God has called us to be. It makes me incredibly proud of ascension and also incredibly humbled by our church family to see you living these things out. That said, I want to underline one point this morning. In each of these areas of our common life, our worship, our hospitality, our meeting together, and our giving, we should not be complacent or think that we have arrived. This morning, as we focus on generous giving, it's fair to say that while we have seen extraordinary generosity, particularly through our More Than Stones campaign, we have not yet reached the point Moses did in our Old Testament reading this morning. Let me remind you of what Moses said. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for what they had already brought was more than enough to do all the work. Well, given that we have not yet reached the point of overdoing it in our financial generosity, what can we say about financial giving? What does the Bible teach us? And what does it look like in practice? I'm actually going to focus this sermon today mainly on our epistle reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in this passage, we find very clear principles that I hope will help us to think and pray about our own giving and how we will respond to the invitation to give to God's work through ascension. 
First, let me take a moment to set the scene, to give you the context. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And we know from the end of his first letter to the Corinthians that an appeal had been made to help support the church in Jerusalem, which was facing extreme hardship due to famine. Collections were taken up among groups of Gentile Christians to help the predominantly Jewish believers in the church at Jerusalem. Talk about being countercultural. Here, Paul is appealing to the church to finish that which they had started and to support the Jerusalem church. And what is clear is that this is a story about what God is doing in the life of the church and through his people. In chapters 8 and 9, Paul is talking to them about money, and yet he never once uses the word. Instead, he reframes it by talking about the grace of God. And Paul has a lot to say about grace. Indeed, it's one of the central points of his theology and teaching. Throughout his letters, he painstakingly stresses that our salvation comes about not because of our works, our efforts, our strivings to be good, as if any of those things may somehow merit God's favor towards us. On the contrary, our salvation comes solely on the basis of God's grace. God shows his love for us, writes St. Paul elsewhere, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Grace is all about the undeserved love and forgiveness of God. Grace is about the way God brings people to faith in the first place and, he goes, and how he goes on to equip us to live out our lives. Well, here, St. Paul uses the concept of grace not only to refer to what God wants to do in and for Christians, but also to show what God wants to do through Christians. And it's intensely practical. I want us to look at three principles of giving that this passage of Scripture highlights. First, Christian giving is generous. Paul wants the folks at Corinth to see how the church in Macedonia gave. It's kind of it's intriguing. I mean, it's like he's setting up a competition. Anyway, this is just what it is. And, and we learn that even though the Macedonian church, verse 2, was experiencing a severe ordeal of affliction and extreme poverty, they nevertheless had abundant joy, and out of it there overflowed a wealth of generosity. So first, generous. Second, we see that Christian giving is voluntary. Verse 3, they voluntarily gave. Well, we don't, uh, you know, levy any sort of charge or fees on our members. We do unashamedly teach the biblical principle of tithing. That is 10% of our income as being the basic standard for Christian giving. And that standard is clearly articulated in the Old Testament and is referenced by Jesus in the New Testament and would almost certainly have been an assumed standard of giving in the early church. Now, many folks in our congregation tithe. Some give more than the tithe. Some give less. Some are on their way to giving the full tithe. 
But how much a person gives, whether expressed as a percentage of their income or in actual dollar amounts, it is a matter between that person and God. It's voluntary. And here we see that affirmed by St. Paul. Well, third, we see that Christian giving is a privilege. Verse 4, they begged us, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry. There is plenty of secular research that indicates that giving is good for you, but for the Christian to have the opportunity to share in what God is doing by his grace through supporting God's work financially really is a great privilege. And no one should be excluded from participating in that work on account of their income. Indeed, that's one of the central components of our More Than Stones capital campaign. The invitation has been and remains for every member and friend of Ascension to be a part of this, regardless of a person's wealth. I have long believed that Christian giving is both a duty and a joy. Our scriptures today remind us afresh of what a great privilege it is to share in the work of God's grace through giving. Tithing is not the be-all and end-all in giving. That said, I think in practice, I have seen it at least to a certain point in my life, I used to see it as being kind of an end point of our giving, rather than as I think of it now, which is a milepost along the way. I don't believe we should be legalistic about the tithe, and yet in my own life, frankly, I, in the past, have been. I've tithed my income since I was a boy, and that's why I was pleased to teach the children about it this morning. Um, that may be the best $60 Ascension's invested for a long time. We'll see what the return is over the next generations. I can't imagine not tithing, and I'm glad to do it. But John Wesley taught that God judges what we give by what we keep. So I'm faced with challenges this morning that concern how I think about and what I do with the proportion of my own money that I control. The truth is, it's all his. It's all God's. We are but his managers or stewards. And now there may be some sitting here this morning or watching who say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, I've worked hard. I've earned what I have. True, maybe. And the Bible says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Well, in addition to these three principles that our giving should be generous, voluntary, and a privilege, St. Paul also challenges us in verse 7 to excel in giving. As you excel in everything, he writes, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. And Paul goes on to make a link between the genuineness of our love for God and the generosity of our giving. Verse 8, I do not say this as a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. In just the last few months, uh, 
of our More Than Stones initiative, we've received, I just want to talk about two gifts. We've received two particular gifts. One was for $50 and another was for $500,000. And I believe that each of those particular gifts were generous. The measure of generosity is not the dollar amount given. Rather, it is what the gift, large or small, represents for the one giving. You may recall, Jesus commends the gift of two small copper coins given by a widow. He said that she was more generous than those who'd given much, for she gave all she had. And in our gospel reading this morning, Jesus reminds us that where our treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not the other way around. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. To the Corinthians, Paul does not write, knock yourselves out and work up to 10% and then sit back and pat yourself on the back because you've arrived. Of course he doesn't. Voluntary giving that is truly generous is given out of a sense of profound joy, gratitude, and is experienced as a privilege. And it's likely to go way beyond any formulaic uh, measure. Indeed, Paul commends the Macedonian churches who not only gave according to their means, but verse 3, beyond their means. They were not giving that which they could easily afford or wouldn't miss. They gave in ways that must have stretched them. All the more so because we know that they were poor. So Paul urges the church at Corinth to be encouraged by the voluntary generous giving from the Macedonian churches and to follow their example. Paul is proud of the church at Corinth and is happy to commend them for the ways they do already excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness. But then he challenges them to excel also in generous giving. And when I consider our congregation, I think Ascension likewise excels in so many things. We too, to take Paul's examples, we too excel in faith. In our midst, we have many faithful parishioners who live out their lives at school, at work, at home, faithfully reading the scriptures, praying, sharing the good news with others, meeting regularly for fellowship together, sharing meals, being hospitable, reaching out to those beyond our fellowship, displaying so many of the signs of Christian community. Certainly, this congregation excels in knowledge, too. We are hardly lacking in smart people. It's positively scary how many uh, advanced degrees there are floating around in this place. You, you try standing here and preaching to all these PhDs. And, and I must say, I commend you, you excel in speech. I know this, for you're not afraid to tell me what you think. Which, I hasten to add, is usually a very good thing, and I, and I welcome the feedback. Many also of you excel in eagerness. Sometimes I'm worn out with how eager some people are to do ever newer and exciting stuff. But seriously, Ascension does excel at so many things. We do, thanks be to God and by His grace. We're blessed to have great worship week by week, supported by a whole host of faithful, talented, gifted musicians. We enjoy amazing classical or contemporary music, 
We're, we have amazing readers of all ages, and I could go on and on. And it's a wonderful thing. And so this morning with Paul, let me offer this simple challenge. Let us also excel in generous giving. You want to know how much you should give? Paul says, look to Jesus and take his generosity as your benchmark. The tithe is an important beginning, but is that really our goal? I don't think so. At least not if we take Jesus as our exemplar. So Paul points to the generous giving of Jesus himself. Verse 9, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And that verse inspired a wonderful Christmas uh, carol that I grew up singing each year in England. And I want just to read to you the first verse of this carol based on that uh, verse 9 of our scripture. Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became as poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender. Sapphire paved courts for stable floor. Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became poor. If you're looking for inspiration as to why to give, how to give, how much to give, you need look no further than to the incarnation of our Lord. Jesus didn't merely give out of the abundance of his heavenly riches in a way that left him still rich after he'd given. No, he gave so generously that he became poor. He emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself even to entering a lowly virgin's womb. He was born in a stable, laid in a feeding trough. He was a refugee baby who grew up in a poor home and became a working class man. He gave his life for you and for me. Even in death, he was poor. His clothes were gambled over, and he died with nothing, naked on a cross. That, St. Paul tells us, is our model for Christian giving. In the next week or, or two, you should receive a letter from me uh, with a pledge card for your uh, regular annual giving. By the way, are you getting snail mail these days? Do you get letters I send? I only ask this because yesterday I was talking to my son in Seattle, and last week he received a postcard that Andrea and I had sent to him in July from England. It arrived last week. Who knew Seattle was so far away? Anyway, back to the pledge card that you're going to get in the mail, hopefully. Um, we invite you to fill this out and return to the church, and you can bring it with you, or return to the church on or before Christ the King Sunday, which is November the 23rd. And for the avoidance of any confusion, this request to participate in God's work through Ascension is not part of the uh, special More Than Stones initiative. Um, and I'm going to announce in the announcements where we're at with that. But it is directed to the ongoing ministry and mission of Ascension and God's work through our unified operating budget. So, may we respond to the opportunity that we have once again to give 
to God's work through ascension in response to the riches of God's grace. And whatever your financial circumstances, I invite you to respond faithfully with joy and generosity. Thanks be to God. Amen.